Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Sporting Edge, and I'm glad that I'm back in the driver's seat getting to make these intros because with somebody's cross-country right now. It's not Wits, but it is Roz. Roz is actually driving in the car right now. So we got a little cross-country in the car doing the show. That's commitment, everybody. That's what you like to see out of your Sporting Edge co-host. What's happening, Roz? Not too much, but I would say this is definite commitment. I mean, I got a full-on semi-truck coming my way trying to fit down a side street. But I got to get the show in. I got to talk to my people. I am in L.A. full-time now, so I'll be looking for studio spots to uh, get back on the old mic, just like I used to do in Dayton. But I'm in beautiful L.A., I actually, this is an interesting story about it so far, Xander. This is, this would yeah, happen. I, it, just let everybody know, I don't even know what he's doing out there. So I would like to hear this as well. Yeah, so L.A. hasn't seen rain in months, almost maybe a year to this point. People have not seen rain in L.A. My first two days out in L.A. was a monsoon. It was pouring rain. People had no idea what was going on. It was semi-apocalyptic. Was it like, was a like the snow in the south? Yeah. Like- there's a snowflake and they cancel school and hell, they're all hell breaks yeah, I mean, loose. Schools, schools were not canceled, but there was, there was some shistiness. I mean, driving on the road was tough. It was, it was a whole to do. And I, uh, and everyone said I was kind of the good luck because LA did need this rain. Although inevitably it did hurt some. And I apologize and feel bad for those who lost their lives and in the rain, that does sound bizarre, but people lost their lives in this rainstorm. Really? Um, but it was, uh, it was a venture, and other than that, I've been just grinding and doing that whole L.A. scene. I'm scared out of my mind, but, you know, it's just uh, it's the nature of the beast of the industry I want to be in. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing out there. Um, you're, you're working at an agency right now, is that right? I am interviewing for a couple of the top agencies in the country. I want to work with actors in um, television and in film, so... I am looking to well, be. You're already Ari working Gold, in. You're already watched. working in media. Why do you need to add television and film? This is the big time. Well, one day I can represent. <laughs> one day I can represent myself and you, and uh, that saves us some benefits and saves us some uh, commission that we'd have to give to a real agent when we finally made it big on the Sporting Edge. Yeah, that's up to all, all the people so, who listen out there, including Rube, number one super fan. <laughs> we need your support. Yeah, Jared's gonna be like. Jared was over me. He was ready for me to leave, and now he has to hear about what's going on in L.A. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of a time shift, too. It's uh, early out there, 548 right now. Um, it's almost time for, for me to go to five, bed at 748 Chicago time. That is the bizarre nature of the beast, that I'm two hours behind you, so that makes this doing the show a lot trickier. But what that does give me is I have a lot more time to do activities and watch the highest and most elite sports. So... I'm very excited. I just made a very illegal left turn, but I get to watch Sunday football come the fall at 10 a.m. in the morning, and who doesn't love getting up early and getting your day going with a nice little bit of football? Very jealous about that, but at the same time, you'll not be participating in the Sunday morning men's bowling league, so you know you, you, give, you give and you take a little bit. Yeah, and I think you should uh, elaborate a little bit. So this bowling league, we, w- there is some money won. It is a very important league in the North Shore of Chicago, and I, I have left. It was like almost uh, I became a free agent. I'm now out in L.A. I still My rights still belong to you guys, but you guys are making Jared Rubin step into a place that could be pretty tough, a big gap to fill. I mean, I'm a 200 bowler here and there. 
Yeah, so, I, I mean, Derek, and, how's, he, how's he gonna? Has he been practicing? He's been practicing. He bowled a one ninety eight the other night, so uh, quite surprising actually. Looks good, but you know that's a tough that's a tough place to bowl Brunswick Zone. I mean, you got you know probably fifty or sixty older gentlemen there, kind of breathing down your neck. You know the drill. Um, you got to have lane courtesy. Um, you got to know what you're doing. Don't want to get people upset, and you don't want to bowl too much over your handicap, or you also get people upset. So you know it's a uh, it's definitely more than just about throwing the ball down the down the lane. Um, it's about being a professional yeah. too. So, early scouting report is that Jared doesn't like the two lanes, and that he needs to learn how to accommodate that and be ready to perform on a two lane basis. Yeah, two two lanes. I think that's the next step because no, you know what the the <laughs> days of going with six friends and bowling on one lane, and you know, I, I don't have any time for that. I'm going two lanes of two. People. I know we've done that before. Um, and you really don't get a break. You don't. You don't deserve a break in bowling. You just gotta bowl as much as you can in as little time as possible. Unless you're having a great time on Sunday morning. I bench. think we're semi-pro, right? I would say we're semi-pro. I don't think so. I don't think 150 okay, cuts well, there, it on average. But I, you know, I'm gonna say we're semi-pro just just for argument's sake, because there's a pro level PBA, which I hope we get some sponsorship and we. We talk a little about the PBA when it comes back around. I know they love their Sunday mornings as well, being on ESPN. But I'm going to say we're semi-pro. There is money floating around and some in our direction. Dude, so multiple pots, too. We, are, we got Mystery Pot, King of the Hill. We got yeah, a bunch like of other side pots that I don't. Or it's a gambler's paradise, however you want to look at it. I, I, You know what? I can actually agree with that as well. I mean, pretty much it's just. It's Vegas of bowling, and it's, uh, it's definitely an enjoyable little uh, Sunday activity that I definitely miss here in L.A. as I have not bowled or participated in any sport other than basketball, which if Thomas Gandolfi listens to the show, there's no way he'll ever be better than me at basketball after all the talent I play with every single day. So there's no shot anymore for him to beat me one-on-one. That's a big call-out. I want him to hear this, and I want people to know that I do play one-on-one, and I will take your money, and I will play any of our Sporting Edge listeners who wants to go up against me in one-on-one basketball all right that's fair I, th- I think i've beaten you a couple times one-on-one but we'll save that for another time i was also 220 pounds well that's not my fault but anyways we got about a minute left in the segment Roz, and we're talking about vegas a little bit what were your thoughts on john gruden getting 100 million for 10 years from the soon-to-be las vegas raiders that that's completely espn's fault the Raiders kind of got shisted. I mean, I don't know how much money the Bay Area produces. I don't think they're a big market team. I know there is a cap in the NFL, so that keeps teams semi-neutral. But ESPN was paying him more money than anybody else on their roster. It was going to take a lot to bring him there. $100 million over 10 years for a head coach. I, that's just that's not money I would give up, per se. So I think you save it for a quarterback. They have it in Derek Carr, who's going to need a bigger contract down the line. $10 million a year to a coach when you can be – creating a better team, a roster of more superstars, per se. I don't know. Gruden is fantastic and is what he is, but I think he should have been paid at what a coach gets paid usually, and this is this is a little bit over the top. Yeah, it might be, but um, I guess we'll have to judge it by the success or lack thereof that he'll bring to the table. I mean, I think everybody's been waiting for this moment. I know I have for about the past seven or eight years. Um, when is John Gruden going to step back? into the coaching hemisphere. I mean, he's. I think he's great on Monday Night Football. I mean, I really love listening to him. It's always fun listening to a former player or coach because they know so much more about the game than your average commentator. Um, you know, I, I love guys like Mike Tirico. 
um, Al Michaels. But, you know, you get such a different take with a guy like John Gruden. And a, and a new guy like Tony Romo, it just it's a, it's a whole different feel listening to the game. But we'll see what happens. Like you said, Gruden's got his quarterback. He spoke very highly of Derek Carr in the past before Derek Carr um, even took a snap in pro football. So we'll see what happens. But that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. We're going to get back with some college football. Great championship game on Monday night. We've got NFL playoffs, divisional round, and we're going to touch them all. We'll see you in a little bit. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge. And, God, that feels awesome to start off again. I'm going to be starting off for at least the next four months or until Roz comes back from L.A. Don't know when that will be. There is a pool. There's a pool about how long I'll last out here, and Dylan already thinks I'm going to be back in two weeks, so that will be interesting. Well, you know, if you show up for bowling tomorrow, um, I would not be half bit surprised. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the national championship and what a game this was, Oklahoma-Georgia, one of the better college football games I've ever seen. This game followed it up. I wouldn't say on the surface as good of a game, but for a national championship game, just as, just as exciting, if not more, because the stakes were that much higher. Um, just so many thoughts on the game, but just get, give me your give me your takeaway from the start of Tua and the band of the Crimson Tide. All right, well, I'm, I, I have two takes here that I'm going to give. One is the gambler's take, and then there's one is just the avid sports fan who – wants to give his take on the game. Gambler's so then we'll have four unbelievable. takes. We'll have four takes. It, uh, it's awful for Gambler. The fact that Alabama won on that play to only cut, because most people like myself got him at three and a half. So that they inevitably won 26-23 on a touchdown after allowing a field goal, which was fine. I thought the Georgia defense was going to come out in overtime and be able to stop this team. You saw it on the first sack of the first play for Alabama. And then out of nowhere, you let the backup quarterback throw a 40-yard touchdown pass to beat you on one play. So Gambler's version, that's awful. That is one of the worst losses you could see in college football. On the other side, I enjoyed the game. It was a great game. I sat with a couple of Dayton kids who I haven't seen in a long time. We watched the game. In fact, I was actually sitting with Todd Collinsworth, not Todd Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth, who does the NBC broadcast with Al Michaels. I was sitting with his son. Um, watching the game. He was explaining some more in and outs because he was a college football player himself. Um, And he gave me a lot of insight. He was feeling good about the game. He knew it was going to be very defensive-minded, which it was to begin with. And it kind of got a little sloppy at the end for both defenses and a lot of scoring in the second half. My big thing is is Jalen Hurts' career over. I I was left with a takeaway, Xander. And I was curious to your thoughts. I wonder if that was even something you were thinking about during the game in such an exciting atmosphere. Well, I, I was thinking about it at first, and I didn't know if I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal because I didn't see Alabama winning this game after the first half. And to be honest, I didn't even I didn't even stay up for the end. You know, I was I'm tired. There's a, there's a certain point in my night where my body kind of shuts down and says you need to go to bed. And that was with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter when this was still a two possession game. And I, I called it quits. Um, I went to bed. Woke Quit, up. Quitting, quitting. <laughs> woke up to that notification that Alabama had won the national championship um, on a game-ending play from Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Lufe, <laughs> or Tavaloa. I'm just going to call another him. another name I'm never going to get, so. I'm just going to call him Tua T. Um, 
to a T, baby. But yeah, I thought they had no chance in this game after the first half. I mean, it looked like Georgia was the better team on that night. I'm not going to say they're a better team overall because they didn't end up, they didn't end up even winning the game. But Alabama could not get anything going. Jalen Hurts. I mean, you saw the stat line: three of eight for 21 yards. I mean, that's a that's a Joe Flacco type stat line for a first half. Yeah, but it is. But it's only for a first half, and that's my only issue with that. Was that's arguably an early poll, and you only called eight passing plays. And unless you can tell me he got sacked 13 times in the first half, which I know for a fact he didn't, I thought that was an early poll. And you know what? Obviously, if you're an Alabama fan. All you have to say is, "Well, we won the game, so it doesn't really matter." But Jalen Hurts was your ride or die. He's 24-2. and two. I mean, 25. I know he lost the national championship last year, but to take him out after the first half, I found that to be tough. I can't even believe that he was show, he was excited, he was helping, that he was mentoring. I mean, maybe that is the role you need to do when you get benched like that. Pretty, damn, pretty damn good teammate, if I have to say so myself. Um, no, absolutely. Getting embarrassed probably on the biggest stage of your life and still being able to do that in the interview at the end of the game. Give all the credit in the world to Jalen Hurts, but I have to talk about the man who made the decision to pull out Hurts and put in Tua, Nick Saban. I mean, was this the most ingenious coaching move of his career? I mean, was he? He wasn't putting his legacy on the line, but took a big risk putting in um, a freshman quarterback who had legitimately not played the entire year. And to have him come out and throw for 166 yards and three touchdowns, lead this Alabama team to a national championship, I mean, the stones on Nick Saban. Unbelievable. I think that it's easy for us to say that now. I I mean, maybe it's right. Maybe this backup is the prodigy that or the secret weapon he was waiting to use, and he finally pulled the trigger on it. I mean, I just again, I don't even know how much of it was on the move. I think this Alabama defense was absolutely ferocious when it needed to be. Yeah, it wasn't I, one of those I, I, things where they it's gotta get... it's gotta be on the move though because they couldn't score that they couldn't move the ball the first half and the only reason they moved the ball was because of this guy. It's because of Tua. And Georgia couldn't really move the ball the first. I mean, they scored 13 points, but there wasn't a whole lot of offense on either side. So I I don't know. I I'm a little hurt about this Hurts situation. I don't know why I am. I really like Jalen Hurts. And I was hoping for him to really come out and win this national championship game because he's deserving of it. This was his second chance. There was a lot of great stuff about him. And what maybe Nick Saban is the greatest of all time, which actually I would say right now he is. But I don't think this move is one that defines his career. I think just the way he wins out, just the way he recruits, just the way his teams constantly are in. I mean, he's been in five of the last eight finals, and he has won six national championships in his career. It's ridiculous. There's not really an argument to be had. It's almost like the Bill Belichick thing. But I don't know if this move, what you're talking about, is the defining moment of that career. No, no, and I, and I didn't say it was. I'm just saying it was It, it was kind of like a cherry on top to an already brilliant career. Um, it it kind of reminded me of, like, you know, a major league baseball manager, you know, pulling out the starter, putting in that relief pitcher. I mean, if it goes well, he's a That's genius. That's pretty interesting. If it doesn't go well, then, he, then he's the GOAT. Um not the greatest of all time, the actual goat. Um, but it worked. The actual and, goat. I mean, it was an unbelievable game. And that last pass, I woke up very early in the morning to see the replay of that video. And I was also very upset at first because I took Alabama minus three and a half. Thought I was getting a sweet deal. The game went down from four to three and a half. And after the first half, I said, no more. Um, eyes were closing at the end of the third, and I finally had had enough. 
But I, I guess they pulled the trigger a little early um, because Alabama. You're wins. just you're like Mark Wahlberg leaving the Patriots game early. Yep. Unbelievable on, on your part. But how about let's talk about the other side a little bit. I mean, Jake Fromm, probably one of the most impressive players in college football this season for me. After I ragged on Georgia for the entire year, I mean, he, he are going to be a Georgia guy next year? I don't know if I'll ever be a Georgia guy, but I think it's still funny though how I bet you Mark Richt at a little a little bit of a smile after that game because people. You know, he's like, you know, you, you can't win at Georgia. You just can't do it. No matter how close you might get closer without me, but you're just you're not going to do it. Um, Jake Fromm, <laughs> though, very impressive. Played extraordinarily well in the first half. Struggled a little bit in the second half, but I think this entire Georgia Georgia team did. But I mean, for a true freshman quarterback, Jacob Eason, he's already going. He's already leaving. Um, and I think this Georgia team's got a very bright future. They definitely matched up athletically with this Alabama team. They can be in the upper echelon. I mean, they're going to lose both their running backs this year to the NFL draft. They're going to lose Roquan Smith, their starting middle linebacker. They're losing pieces. Yes, they had a very, very good draft – or not draft class in college. It's recruiting class. They got the number one recruit in the country who's a quarterback. So I'm not totally sure what's going to happen there. But I do know that Georgia is a team that makes the SEC East more relevant than it has been in years past. Right, I, I totally agree. SEC East has been kind of the butthole of the SEC for the past few years. But, yeah, interesting. Um, number one recruit going to Georgia as a quarterback. I guess he didn't know Jake Fromm was going to lead him to a national championship. But um, Sony Michelle. Nick- I don't think Kirby Smart thought that either. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, and, and talking about Kirby Smart, um, I like him. Just got a little bit of a personality to him. <laughs> he wears that visor. Um, just something He's about He's a visor him. guy. He's a visor guy. And I, I think this Georgia team is here to stay. Um, you know, teams like Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, I think we'll be seeing them next year near the top. Maybe Ohio State can, can put it over the edge and get back to that <clears throat> Cardale Jones glory days. But in the meantime, that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge. We're going to break down the NFL playoffs because it's the divisional round. We got the Titans, Patriots. We got the Jags, Steelers. We got the Falcons, Eagles. And we've also got Saints-Vikings. So let's break them all down after the break. And Roz is going to lead us off with some picks. So we'll see you guys soon. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out of pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, and we've got the NFL playoffs. We're going to break down all four games. Um, we've got eight teams left, four times two. A couple great games this week. 
Let's start it off with Falcons Eagles. Eagles are actually um, the team that is the least favorite to win the NFC Championship right now, and they are the number one seed. But we all know that Carson Wentz went down with a pretty bad ACL injury a few weeks ago. Nick, is that you getting busted, Roz? No, that's a car chase I'm watching happen. Okay, this is cool. Sporting Sporting yeah. Edge exclusive. Car chase right now. Car chase in, in LA. This is pretty intense. It's that, LA. It might be OJ Simpson part two. <laughs> <laughs> but where we the listeners will be three days behind because it's actually Thursday. But so they'll have already read the news. Yeah. But yeah, I don't believe it's another. It's a big car. It looks like a Range Rover style car he's chasing. But I'm all safe. So continue on with your NFL. Okay. So let's start off first game on Saturday at 3:35 p.m. We've got the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Philadelphia to take on, like I said, the number one seeded Eagles, who are plus three in their own stadium against an Atlanta team that looked like they had something to prove against St. Louis last week. That looked like a dangerous Falcons team to me, and I don't know. I think they're going to be tough to beat even in Philadelphia. Do you, you want this is, this is where it's tough for me, let me tell you, because I don't have any mortgages to bet now. Which was my favorite thing in the entire world. But you I got a bank just account. Gotta sell I got a bank account with the room. Just sell yourself. But the remaining assets, I, the remaining assets of my life are in this banking bank account. After that, I'm going to be living on a beach, naked in like a hut or something. But I'm betting all of it, Xander. You heard it here first. I am betting every single dollar I have left on Atlanta minus three. This is an absolute joke. I do want it to be known when the Atlanta Falcons win the Super Bowl, which I had picked by the way when we did our playoff picks. That this is not, this is not an underdog team winning the Super Bowl. This is not a wild card team winning the Super Bowl. This is a division leader, a division winner that had an unfortunate start to the season and has just been given a gift to the Super Bowl. Just like the Patriots will be given a gift in the AFC, this is a gift. They went in, proved themselves against the Rams. They went to a field that is very slick. It is very tough to play football in the state of California, especially at night when the field is very slick. They went in, absolutely handled that game beat the Rams the way they should have beaten the Rams. They're going to go in face Nick Foles, a freaking backup quarterback in Philadelphia. A Jeff Fisher backup quarterback. Let's be respectful. Jeff Fisher backup quarterbacks have been good this year. That is a weird, weird coincidence, but it will not be good enough. The Falcons really should be minus 13. This is going to be a 20-point blowout, Atlanta Falcons over the Eagles. Wow, that's, uh, that's big talk coming from a guy who has mortgaged his house seven times over. Um, I'm on the same <laughs> side. I'm on the same side of the fence, though. Um, I'm not as confident as Roz is because I feel like there, there's something about this Philadelphia team that just tells me they're not going to go away. I mean, I know Carson Wentz was such a big part of their success this year, but this is a this is a good football team. They're, you know, they have a great quarterback, but there's a reason that you go 13 and three in an NFL season, and it, it's, it, Carson Wentz was not the only reason. This team's dealt with a couple major injuries this year. You look at Michael Kendricks on the defensive side of the ball. You look at Jason Peters on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Pro Bowl left tackle. They picked up Jay Ajayi kind of midway through the year. They've got one of the better receiving tight ends in football in Zach Ertz. And a guy like Nick Foles has shown you spurts that he can be a pretty damn good quarterback. And it was actually with Philadelphia that he had that start of the season where he went 20 touchdowns, two picks. But I just think the Falcons are too much in this game. And I think they're going to be too much like they were too much for the Rams last week. I mean, that Rams team was a good football team. And they they did not play well. I, I think the stage got to them a little bit. 
Um, they had a couple big turnovers, but Atlanta, I think, clearly outmanned St. Louis last week, and, and I I feel the same thing kind of coming this week against Philadelphia. You know, this is the this is the point in the year where you throw away the regular season because it doesn't matter, and you take a guy like Matt Ryan who's coming off probably the worst Super Bowl loss of all time. I would have to say it's up there, um, and you, you got an angry team that's got a lot of talent and not necessarily the hardest road to the Super Bowl. I mean, they got the Eagles this week, and if they win, they got the winner of Saints-Vikings. So, you know, if you're going to tell me that it's going to be an Atlanta Patriots rematch, I wouldn't be super surprised right now. That was what my pick was, and you hit it on the dot, Gruden, part two. By the way, you should be considered for John Gruden's position because all you do is talk about quarterbacks. All you do is give love to quarterbacks who don't deserve it. You could be the next John Gruden. <laughs> the ESPN should, should uh, reach out to me. Moving on, they though. should. You're the new, you're the new quarterback whisperer. <laughs> you call me Hugh Jackson because I'm one in thirty-one, <laughs> going on one in oh, yeah, fifty. Um, so Saturday <laughs> night, seven fifteen, Central Standard Time, five fifteen Roz time. We've got the Titans, <laughs> arguably one of the worst playoff teams of all time, traveling to New England where New England right now is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Are they going to squeak it up to 14? I would have to think so. It's only it's, it's Saturday morning right now, but as we sit here, it's Thursday night. Um, this Titans team, I give them a lot of credit for coming back and, and making Andy Reid drink his own medicine once again. Because if we hadn't seen Andy Reid blow a playoff game in that spectacular of a fashion, um, I just just wanted to see it one more time. Um, it, it just it just happens every other year. Time to grease him up and roll him to a beach somewhere because he is on vacation, my friend. <laughs> Yo, dude, he's he, he's in that Hawaiian shirt right now, probably probably smoking a big old stogie, drinking an old fashioned, kind of thinking about every every playoff loss he's ever blown by you know twenty or more points. I mean that that was an absolute ridiculous game that they lost, um, but. You know what? doesn't matter anymore. Marcus Mariota, Titans moving on. They're playing New England. What I say, though, I told you the stat last week that quarterbacks that had more interceptions and touchdowns are now are still undefeated in their first postseason game in the wild card round. That, it's not 5-0 you did say, I, I do win. specifically remember you saying that. Um, but about the game, Patriots minus 13.5. There, there's just zero chance, I think, the Titans have of winning this game. But I wanted to get your thoughts are the Patriots going to cover? That's the big question. That, so the, this is a tough cover because I was very adamant about the Titans losing last week, so I did get that pick wrong. Rube did not inform me this past week when he goes over my terrible picks. But the Titans, plus 13.5, hoping it gets up there a little more. I'm looking for this to get around plus 15 maybe, plus 15.5. I kind of like that number. I might actually do a little surprising pick today, and I'm going to go Titans plus 13.5 since that's what it is right now. I think this is a Titans team that's going to be gritty. They're not a team that's going to want to go out. They're going to lose this game. Don't get me wrong. There's no way the Titans beat the Patriots. If they do, I'll sell, again, my entire bank account. But the Titans, I think, are grittier than I think. I don't know if Murray's going to come back and play or not. I think they're going to hang in there. Their defense isn't as bad as it has been recently. A lot of turmoil with the Patriots. we got to remember that, that this before leading up the wildcard weekend, all the talks with Kraft and Belichick and Brady all yeah, having trouble. Is Bill going to get it's traded? That's, that's the big question. They're talking about trading Bill. Are we trading Bills? I mean, it's 
it'll be interesting to see. I think the Patriots win this and go on to the Super Bowl like I've projected over and over and over again. But I, uh, I really, I really am liking the Titans. Plus, I think the spread's going to continue to go up. Okay, fair point. Um, I'm going to have to go on the other side here. I just, I don't like. Finally. <laughs> I, I just don't really like taking underdogs, and I, if I think they have no chance to win the game, and that's kind of how I feel about this one. This Patriots team, I get what you're saying with the turmoil, but I, I think that just might make them play better. I mean, if that were if that were physically possible for a team that's 13 and three and has been, you know, the best team in the NFL for the past 15 years to, to be playing at a higher level, it'd be very it'd be very hard to do. But they're they're the team that would do it. I think Tom Brady comes out and just just slops all over the field, gives some to Gronk, maybe some Deion Lewis, Danny Amendola, maybe Julian Edelman straps up just because he wants to catch a couple passes in the playoffs again. I just don't see this being a very good game, and I, I think I think the interceptions are going to catch up with Marcus Mariota because, you know, as good of a comeback as that was against Kansas City, I mean, he, he did not have a very good year. I know we've talked about him and Jameis Winston, uh, Winston a bunch on this show that, like, I think they kind of took a step back this year, but I think a, a major X factor in this game is going to be Derrick Henry to Marco Murray. Super banged up. Derrick Henry kind of took took that game by the horns last week and, and tapped it off with that big first down run at the end of the game to seal the deal. So he's going to be big. Delaney it could Walker. be the end of DeMarco Murray. Hey, DeMarco Murray, like, I, I think it is the end. I mean, he's kind of just faded off into the sunset. For the past three or four years, I mean, it's just he's just been slowly declining. Um, after that big fantasy year he had a couple years ago, he just there's not really too much that excites me about him anymore from a fantasy perspective. But in the meantime, and, Henry, and Henry's a dominant back that Henry, can replace him. Right, could be the best back out of Alabama, you know, out of the past five of them because there's about there's about one that comes out every single year. And Bo Scarborough looks like he could be the next one because he's a mini Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry 2.0, but <laughs> that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. We're also on amfm247.com. Got all your picks, got all your stats, covering all the leagues here, except the NHL. We don't really talk about hockey. We don't know anything about it, but we're going to get to the rest of the NHL playoffs. <laughs> Excuse me, NFL playoffs after the break. Uh, we got two more games to break down. And we are back, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge. We got the second half of the NFL playoffs to break down. Sunday at 12.05, Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Pittsburgh to take on Big Ben and the Steelers. Steelers are minus 7 right now. Over-under is 41. Roz, give me your initial thoughts on the game. Is Big Ben going to throw five picks again? I sure as hell hope not. I mean, the, the Steelers are my lone hope in getting past or getting to the Patriots and stopping the Patriots from winning another Super Bowl. So I am going to take the Steelers here just because of the trend I've been doing this year in terms of NFL picks in the postseason. They're the more experienced team. I mean, that was we were talking about great games in college football. One of the worst games of all time was that Jags-Bills game ever. Just awful game. Just plays to how bad the NFL has been this year that that was even allowed to be a playoff game. I think both teams shouldn't be able to advance and the Steelers should just be automatically in the AFC championship game. But I'm going to take the Steelers here. I'm not feeling the five picks again. I don't think he's going to do that twice in the same season or twice in the same season to the same team. 
I'm feeling good about the Steelers. Antonio Brown hopefully will be somewhat healthy. I'm hearing from Chad Johnson, who for some reason is working out with Antonio Brown, that Antonio Brown looks as healthy as ever. So I'm feeling good about it. Let's go with the Steelers in this one. Yeah, dude, this is this is tough for me. I mean, I kind of want to rewind a little bit. I remember after Big Ben threw those five picks against the Jaguars, people were were so up in arms about it that they were almost calling for his retirement. And he kind of came out and said, like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I just don't have it anymore. And that was kind of the last that we heard of Big Ben. That was the last negative thing we heard out of his mouth because since then, I think they've arguably been the best team in the league basically since that loss. Um, but it's just, kind of, it's just kind of funny. It makes you think that, you know, one game, a guy's kind of questioning retirement, saying that maybe he just doesn't have it anymore, and here they sit at 13-3 and three as the number two seed in the AFC playoffs. One catch away from being the number one seed, but the catch rule ruled that Jesse James did not have possession all the way through the act of going to the ground. So you look, you look at that, the Steelers have done pretty well since that Jacksonville game. And I think this is a great matchup. You, you got two pretty good defenses and a Jacksonville team that I know they were playing Buffalo last week, but that, that's, that's a ferocious defense. And I'm really excited to watch Jalen Ramsey match up with Antonio Brown. Because like you said, Antonio Brown, I think he's going to play, practicing in full, haven't seen him in action in a while. And that is, that is not an easy task to go up against Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's, he's one of the up-and-coming best cornerbacks in the league, I think, if he isn't already. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm not... I'm not an expert evaluator on watching cornerbacks, but I think this is going to be a good matchup. I like the Jaguars to cover. I think this is going to be a great game, and I, th- I think it comes down to a last-second field goal. That's my honest opinion. I don't think Big Ben is going to look very sharp in this game, and that's partly the fact that Jacksonville is a great defense. And he, Five picks, I'd be willing to bet that will not happen again, but I think they're going to have to rely heavily on Le'Veon Bell. Um and I think they're going to have to control Who the Who had block. interesting news today. Did you see his interesting news? That he that he might retire. I did see a little bit about he, it. He'll either sit out an entire year or retire, but he will not be franchise tagged again by the Steelers, which leads me to believe that the Steelers better fork up some freaking cash or he is on the move. And I, that's just going to – that's one of the most exciting things you can hear. Because in the NFL, you don't get free agent prospects that are that big. If Le'Veon Bell's a free agent, that will be massive. Yeah, you don't you don't get it's not like the NBA and the MLB where like every off season is just it's like open hunting. You've just got you got so many good players. I, I think in the MLB it's it's the best. Cause you just like Jay Bruce just signed back with the Mets. Three years, thirty nine million, maybe thirty six, I don't know. But every year but that's the NF, the NFL that's is just baseball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was talking baseball. Um we're coming up on, on pitchers and catchers reporting. So we got a lot to talk about baseball-wise. But, yeah, the NFL, it's just like, it's really just not a thing. Um, and it's not exciting either. I mean, there are some good players who change teams. But I really need to, to start understanding the franchise tag and why it makes people so upset. Because I, I really don't get it that much, and I just can't really speak on it. But if a guy's willing to sit out for an entire year slash retire, you know, it, it seems like maybe that there would be something that's not in his best interest. But I'm all for Le'Veon Bell being a free agent. Um, but anyways, getting back to the game, I'm taking the Jaguars plus seven. I think this is going to be a very good game. Um, but I would not mind a Steelers-Patriots AFC championship game because I'd love to see a rematch of those two great teams. 
And let's get to the final game, Roz. Saints-Vikings. Vikings are a five-point favorite at home against the New Orleans Saints, who looked pretty awesome against Carolina last week. I know they kind of struggled down the stretch and let Carolina back into the game, but Drew Brees and this Saints team kind of look like the team that won a Super Bowl about seven years ago, I think, now. Yeah, I mean, I put... I unfortunately put all my money on the Falcons already, but I would put the rest of my money, if I had any more, on the Saints plus five. It's going to be an NFC South matchup between the Saints and the Falcons. This Vikings team, again, playing with somebody named Case Keenum, who has never been in this situation before, and I don't care how good your defense is, Case Keenum isn't a Peyton Manning that you can put in a wheelchair and roll to the Super Bowl like the Broncos did. This defense doesn't match up to that caliber. I think Drew Brees will end up Going for two touchdowns, it might not be the highest, most explosive offensive game for the Saints ever, but Case Keenum will come out, struggle at home, and we will not be seeing the Minnesota Vikings carry home field advantage all the way through the Super Bowl. It'll be a Saints-Falcons NFC Championship matchup. Wow, good thing we agreed on the first game because we got three games in a row that we're on the opposite side of. I love Minnesota in this game. Um, I think they're ready to go. Like I said, the Saints played a great game last week, but this Minnesota defense, I think, is for real. They're not as good as that Denver defense, but experience-wise, I think this is the best unit in the NFL. I do have confidence in Case Keenum that he's going to do what he needs to do to win this game. You know, obviously, you know, he's been a backup his entire life, but he's kind of done. He's just kind of done him the whole season. I mean, throws, throws for a couple touchdowns here and there. Doesn't do anything too crazy. Doesn't you know? Then throw for fifty touchdowns, but gets the job done when he needs to do it. Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray, going to be big parts of this game. But I, I think the Minnesota defense just kind of eats up Drew Brees and holds holds New Orleans under twenty points. That's my prediction for this game. So I, I can't I, believe you're saying that. What do you mean you can't believe it? Drew, Drew Brees is your guy. You've drafted him two years in a row now, yeah. and you're going to throw. Now him now what has it done for me? I've been sitting on the sidelines after the first round of the playoffs. You should be proud to have a quarterback like Drew Brees, who statistically is one of the top fantasy players of all time and has been one of the top fantasy players the last couple of years. So you should you should honor that man. It's the rest of your team that you draft as a bunch of Michigas and poop. So I cannot believe that you are going up against Drew Brees like this. Yeah, it is a little tough, especially when – you look at that backfield, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. I think you, you you might have to put him as the best duo in the league right now. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think anyone even comes close. I don't, and that's going to be a factor too. And I think they run through the Vikings defense. I'm, Which I'm, you, I'm really I'm feeding your thing. fire right now. You are. I this is getting me hot. I am tired of these fake teams. It's like this whole fake news era we're in. It's hashtag fake teams. I'm going to make a post about that. Fake Fake teams being in the NFL playoffs, and it starts with the Vikings, starts with the Rams, it starts with this Eagles team, except for I would take them off the list if Carson Wentz was playing for them. It also starts with this Bills team, this Jags team. It's all terrible, 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 terrible. So you heard it here first on the Sporting Edge, fake news, fake teams, summing up the NFL playoffs. We've got two real teams who we think are going to make it all the way. Um, I'm in agreement with Roz. I like Pat's Falcons as well, but we've got a, a great divisional round ahead of us. Big games tonight and tomorrow. Don't miss them. 3.30 and 7 o'clock tonight, 12 o'clock and 3.30 on Sunday. That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. 
great doing the show coast to coast, Chicago to LA. We'll be doing this for a little while now. Follow us on our social media. We got Instagram, we got Facebook, we got Twitter, all sorts of things kids are doing these days. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. We will see you next week, everybody. Have a good one. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.